Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Colby Conway at Colby R. Conway. And Matt, there is a ton of stuff to get through this week, but it would not be very play me to not ask, how is everything going for you? It's going well. Had a um, entertaining Memorial Day weekend. A lot of racing that I watched. A lot of baseball that I watched. Grilled some. And we're actually going to a baseball game tonight in town. So it uh, should be a fun way to wrap up kind of Memorial Day weekend as a whole. I, I grilled a little bit as well. I can probably assume, based on what I saw from some of your uh, tweets or the grill versus grill thing, that it was not as elaborate as what you did. Um, but I did turn the propane on, put some stuff on the grill, and shut the grill off. So I'm going to call that grilling. Yeah, I had a, you know, it was a good time. I grilled a couple of times. I grilled some breakfast on Monday morning uh, for the fam, grilled for the grill versus grill, and then I won that bet. So uh, that was great. <laughs> There you go. I only grow. I just grilled some some sausages. It was nice for Memorial Day after doing um, the Murph workout. If anyone knows that, I am hurting immensely today. Um, so we're gonna get through this though. Luckily, my my pain in my quads and arms doesn't prohibit me from talking baseball. And maybe it. I can feel like some of these guys who are a little bit injured, although theirs are probably far worse than what mine is, as mine will go away in a couple of days. But let's start in Baltimore with Cedric Mullins running down the baseline. Did not look good. Um, uh, immediately held his groin, stopped, couldn't finish running out uh, the play. I don't know. Groin strain, mm, don't like that. Some are saying right abductor and groin strain, so that's going to be involved for a guy that can run. That's going to wreak some havoc. It's likely going to keep him out for a little bit. I don't believe he's been put on the IL yet, but it would not surprise me if he ends up making his way, if he ends up making his way there. It's just for what it is, it's too important to his game. I would imagine they play it safe and put him on the IL, and maybe you know it, it'll probably come in the next couple of days. Are you kind of thinking the same type thing with Mullins? Yeah, I don't think you can avoid the IL with a groin strain. Um, you know, even if even if you're not going to play the guy, which you're not going to, you're in the heat of a very tight AL East. You can't afford to go with an empty you know, spot on your bench for a few days. So uh, I would imagine that – I wonder if they're going to do this. I wonder if they're waiting for Grayrod to make a start down in the minors and then put Mullins on the IL and call Grayrod back up because that would be a way around his 
what minimum 15 day stay in the minors because injuries get around that. That's a possibility. Um, they could call up. There's a couple of bats that they could go with too. There's some guys who are smoking the baseball uh, down at AAA that I wouldn't be shocked if they get a shot to come up. Uh, but yeah, it might be a, a day or two before they put them on there. Yeah, it seems like he is heading there. So fantasy managers will have to look to replace Mullins' eight homers and thirteen stolen bases that he has through fifty-three games on the season. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be tough to overcome just because he's, I mean, his two sixty-three average is even above average. So he's really doing multiple categories. So replacing him. Here, here's an idea for Baltimore. Since mm-hmm. uh, the Reds have nowhere to play Jonathan India, according to Ken Rosenthal, uh, why don't the Orioles just trade for John uh, Jonathan India? and thereby solve everybody's problem. The Orioles get another bat. The Reds don't have to worry about where to play their MVP caliber (laughs) player when they call up another guy. And uh, all all is good. And then Ken Rosenthal looks like a genius for saying the Reds had no place to play. Yep. I find it hard to believe if – I mean, let's just say India remains where his average where it is. I I have a hard time believing you can't find some – some playing time for a guy who's currently pacing to hit 290 with 15 homers and 20 plus stolen bases on the year. I find yeah. that hard to believe personally, but and he hey, played a little bit of exactly. And I mean, what do I know? You know, I'm just sitting here looking at stats and numbers. So what do I know? San Diego down year so far this season. Soto was Juan Soto was scratched over the weekend with back tightness. Matt, this is one of those ones. It starts off as nothing. Everyone's very ho-hum about it. Next thing you know, they miss a game. They miss another game. You know, they maybe pinch hit, maybe not. And then an IL stint comes later with, like, back soreness, or maybe they keep the tightness, but then you hear, like, back strain or something like that. So what do we make here of Juan Soto's back tightness? I don't know. I I don't – I know that people want answers, right? But back tightness, it depends on the guy, really, to to be honest. I mean, Soto, I feel like, is a guy who can kind of play through it based on the balance in his swing. He's not putting a whole lot of load on any one specific spot, unlike some other guys. Um, I know he just started to turn things around over the last month. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball absolutely nuked a ball at Yankee Stadium last like that ball was crushed at Yankee Stadium um so we'll see i mean worst case scenario is that he turns into like Victor Robles who went on the IO with back spasms and as of monday night was still not imminently close to coming back um best case scenario he misses maybe a series and then he's back in the lineup um so it kind of it kind of depends but i have a little bit of faith in the in the padres um training staff to to you know get through it and he's expected to be in the lineup on as we're recording this on tuesday so tonight he's expected to be in the lineup but keep an eye on it soto is young too i do think that helps especially in terms of this so I wouldn't be too concerned about Soto compared to some of the other guys we're going to Yeah, talk I mean, about. Machado had an issue last year, and he missed like nine out of 11 days, but they kept him off the IL and kind of rested it or whatnot. We could see something like that where he plays a couple of days on and then he gets a day off and then, you know, whatnot. 
could be something like that. The Giants had to go ahead and put Tyro Estrada on the 10-day injured list with a left wrist sprain hurting it in one of his final at-bats. And this Estrada is a guy I have a lot of ownership of this season, hitting 301, six home runs, 13 stolen base, 30 runs scored. He's been really, really good and really building on to a really, really good last uh, year last year in 2022 as well when he hit 14 overs and stole 21 bags. So I don't like wrist issues. We talked about it a good bit with hitters. It may sap a little bit of his power coming back. But Estrada was a guy we probably weren't banking for much more than last year's 14 homers anyway. So it's, it's I don't think it'll be as detrimental to him. But maybe when he comes back, there's going to be a little bit of rust, knock a few points off the old batting average that he's got there. But what are you thinking here with Estrada? We're not dropping him. It shouldn't be too terribly long of a stint on the IL, it seems. It more so seems upon his return, we're going to have to temper expectations a little bit, at least in the first couple, maybe days, maybe even weeks. Yeah, I would I would say so. Look, the Giants are going to mix and match. They're pretty good with analytics. You know, we've seen that over the last few years um, with Gabe Kapler manager in their front office that came straight from, you know, the Dodgers and, <laughs> and the Rays. So, I, you know, they're going to mix and match. We'll see, you know, maybe some Blake Sable in the outfield a little bit more, you know, Mitch Hanniger, Conforto can fill in, you know, they got Patrick Bailey up right now who can play catcher. So you don't necessarily need Sable back there. He could DH as well. So there's a few different ways they can go. They could also just come up and, you know, call up some 26 year old nobody's ever heard of who's just a solid baseball player and comes up and hits like you know like he was meant for it so i'm not that concerned we're not dropping estrada you know i think at this point outfield is fairly easy to find guys on the waiver wire to float you by for a week or so but i i think he'll be all right might be a slow couple weeks when he gets back and then he should be good Yep, and I think that's the case. And if you want to look at it this way, too, if he does get on base, wrist shouldn't affect his running while he's you know, right. taking care of that wrist. He can keep his lower half in action. Everything will be fine there. So when he comes back, I think the running will be It'll fine. Be good. Yep, I think he'll be good there. In Milwaukee, Willie Adames went to the injured list with a concussion on a freak incident. Um, it's a concussion. It's going to have to run its course. Hopefully he doesn't miss too much time past the – his minimum stay on the on the injured list. But when you look at this Milwaukee lineup, I know Owen Miller got banged up, so his kind of status is in flux as we're waiting for lineups here to begin the week. But what else can Milwaukee do here? I mean, Bryce Terang probably slides over to shortstop um, from second base, becomes a pretty regular player here while Adames is out. It almost seems like a, a lineup with already a bunch of strikeout issues. I mean, Adames was kind of a relatively sizable part of that too. But it seems like this might be a team to pick against here. I mean, they're, they're bad against lefties. We know that. You attack Milwaukee with lefties. But with Noah Dames, this lineup does lose a little bit of pop. It does. It does for sure. Um, so, yeah, I would expect Terang to slide over, play shortstop. I think he kind of split time there in the minors, although second base was his main spot in the minors. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what they do for the time being. Uh, concussion ILs, by the way, I believe are seven day instead of the 10 day. So it is what it is. There's no guarantee. It only takes a week, right? We've seen, you know, uh, across all sports, we've seen guys suffer concussions and be out for months. We've seen guys suffer concussions and come back and be ready to go three days before their minimum stay is up. Right. 
Um, everybody's different. It is a brain injury. Clearly there's protocols in place. So it's, it's going to be what it'll be for those of you who are in a league in which, you know, five games played at a position, get you position eligibility. Maybe Terang scores you some extra eligibility here. Cause if he plays shortstop full time while Ademis is out, then we can add shortstop uh, and second base to him. So, that's about it. I mean, it's not – concussions are still the gray area of injuries, right? It's not like, oh, he's out like four to six weeks with a sprain or he had surgery, he'll be back after it heals. Concussions are to each their own. No two are the same. That's probably the best way to call it with with concussions. And, Matt, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Hopefully, if you picked up Jason Adam when Pete Fairbanks was hurt before – Hopefully you held on, or if he's still out there, go get him. Fairbanks is heading back to the injured list with a hip issue. So Jason Adam is back. His strikeout rate is up from last year. ERA, low threes. That's fine. We'll take it. But he does have seven saves on the year already with five holds. So if you're in a solds league or maybe saves plus holds, however you however you coin that term, Adam is back as the ninth inning man for Tampa Bay. Matt, do you think he's a must-own in all formats that value saves at this point? I would say so. Look, Tampa's playing in a lot of close games at this point. Yes, I know they got blown out last week like 20-1 to 1 by Toronto, but, you know, that that's a fluke, right? You don't get blown out by 19 runs every game unless you're, like, I don't know, Oakland. Um, but, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get the save chances. Tampa generally likes to have one guy in the ninth. Um, they mix a match elsewhere, but it's typically been one guy in the ninth. So I would expect Jason Adam, who was challenging for the closer role in spring, um, to get the bulk of the save chances uh, at this point. Yep, I am there with you. Another reliever, uh, more so just a feel-good story, is Liam Hendricks is back for the White Sox. I believe he pitched the eighth inning. Um, yesterday as we record this, so on Monday, we'll be through the eighth inning. You want to look at the number. His velo was down. Duh. It was probably going to be. He's working his way back still from a very serious, I'm not going to say injury, a life condition, um, working his way back from that. And despite the diminished velocity, his whiff rates still look good. Like He was still generating swings and misses. So if he's going to get those whiffs while his velo is down, if he's working his way back, Watch out. So kind of the same thing with Adam. To me, Hendricks, I'd go get him now. It's only a matter of time before they put him back in the ninth. And I know the White Sox have been a can I say travesty or dumpster fire? Which 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 of those terms would you use? A travesty of a dumpster fire? Okay. A travesty <laughs> of a dumpster fire. You know, there's still value, like we've talked about. You don't have to be on the best team in the league to get save chances. Correct. You know, White Sox aren't going to win games by a ton. So Hendricks, you in the same boat. He's a must-own at this point. I mean, I, I think he's got to be. Yeah. I mean, it, for those of you who drafted him, hoping that he would come back at some point early in the season and work back, congrats. I've had a few people in my uh, home leagues that did that. One of them now gets him for basically three years for cheap because he waited long enough to not pick him up. Um, but, yeah, I would, I would go get him. If you're hunting for saves – it might be a little bit of a slow burn to get the saves from him, but they're coming and as bad as Chicago has been 
All you need to do is win close games to get saves. And that's what Chicago's capable of doing. Yes, they're going to lose more than they win right now. But, you know, it's still the reason why, like, Oakland's closer is usable. Even though they haven't won that many games, every game they've won has been close. So, like, that's what I'm trying to tell people. You don't actually want to target the closers on really good offenses because more often than not, like, only a fraction of their wins are they going to get in the game, whereas teams with mediocre or bad offenses, the closer gets in in a higher percentage of their team wins. Yep, and I mean, sure, three hits, two earned runs in that outing, but it's it's going to take some time, like you said, for him to get back in the ninth. Still got some whiffs, so the strikeouts will come. And just interestingly enough, he is owned in 83% of fan tracks leagues and 25% of ESPN fantasy leagues. So, so my question is, does Fantrax have IL or deeper benches than ESPN leagues? Or do could they be. just have s- smarter fantasy players? Sorry for any background noise. My cat is deciding to use her scratching post at the moment. Always a circus in the sales household. I would say ESPN's probably, like, their default is probably much shorter leagues or shorter benches than Fantrax. Yeah, also, if you're say. playing in, like, a 10 or 12 team, there's no point in holding a guy who hasn't been active. Yeah, and then I'm sure his ownership is going to shoot through the roof this week during waivers. Or for ESPN leagues that do points, some points leagues devalue relief pitchers. Correct, because unless he's the closer, he's not getting you. I mean, you could sneak in some wins, but yeah, that's not happening in middle relief for Chicago. Yeah, probably, probably not with him. And then uh, what I want to talk about here, we're going to get to a little bit of the name that player with the. I'm going to put some quotes, but prospect edition here. But we did get one prospect back from a torn ACL, Royce Lewis and homered in his uh, first game with the Twins this season. Uh, what do you think of Lewis kind of as a prospect overall and like long term, but mainly for those in redraft leagues for the 2023 season in particular? So I have loved him for a while. It was a question for me when they took him number one overall a few years ago. Uh, but he has rounded into what you would expect from a number one overall prospect. The guy's a five-tool player. Um, the only concern I have is exactly where he's going to play defensively because he's mainly been a shortstop in the minors. That's where they drafted him. That's what he came up as. He did get a little bit of versatility uh, tossed in there with some outfield work, some third-base work. I think he played a tad bit of second base, but it's mainly been shortstop. Here's the problem. They signed Carlos Correa back in this offseason and sure could they move Correa to third base maybe Correa was the guy with the foot issue right uh yes or leg or what the surgically repaired something or other and now has a lower extremity issue yes Hmm. okay carry on um so perhaps they move him to third base which is maybe a little easier on the body than shortstop is um, or maybe Royce Lewis becomes a super utility guy, you know, yet to be seen. Uh, he has enough speed to play some of the outfield, although I don't really think they need center field help with Michael, you know, Michael A. Taylor and uh, Byron Buxton capable of being back there. So we'll see. That's my only concern with Royce Lewis is, defensively where he plays long-term. Other than that, when he came up for 
a bit last year. He looked spectacular um, in his, I think it was like 12 game stint. He hit, I think 300 um, in that stint, if memory serves. So the bat and the homers and the speed aren't a concern. It's just where are you going to find a room for him uh, on a daily basis? And then in the minors, we've seen his ability to kind of really harness the strikeouts. He'll post a moderate to decent walk rate. And then last year, yep, 12 games, hit an even 300, two home runs, five RBIs, five stolen bases. Didn't run at all last year, but we've seen at different stops at the minors, you know. No, but he was coming back from – so, like, they just wanted him on the field. You don't want to take the risk of him coming back from an ACL by stealing, right? No, No added risk is a good one for a guy as highly touted as Royce Lewis has been since being drafted number one overall. And if he can be any sort of consistent presence on offense, I think the Minnesota lineup would definitely like that as they are. Oh God. Yeah. They need any help they can get. (laughs) They're really fun to pick against for uh, player props and stuff. uh, Just because they can, they can go like ice cold would be a compliment. They can go like, I forget yeah. that substance, but it's like it's it's like in all the TV shows when it's the, it comes out in that giant cauldron and it's all smoking and you can't liquid like, nitrogen. Your, that's it. Like they're like that when yeah, they're it's cold, like negative two hundred something degrees Fahrenheit. That, that checks out for that offense at times. I think that <laughs> checks out. <laughs> um, so we'll have to see. Real, but Royce Lewis definitely a guy you want to add. Real quick, I want to ask you about Garrett Cole's struggles of late. <sighs> He seems to be being a victim of the long ball here. Four of his last five starts, he's given up two homers in each start. He's been tagged for five earned runs in three of his last five starts. Um, you know, in a couple of those, he actually was credited with giving up six, but only five earned. So thanks to the, you know, defense for saving him a run, I guess. Um, strikeouts are still there. The walks are a little bit of an issue. I mean, clearly we're not dropping Garrett Cole, but I'm just wondering, like, are we panicking a little bit that something has changed <laughs> or just a rough stretch? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm more inclined to believe a rough stretch because when you look at his numbers, yes, you know, over the last five starts, was that two, four, eight home runs? But in the ones prior to that, there were no home runs. Yep. At all. Now, then again, in his last couple of starts, Tampa Bay twice, Baltimore, San Diego. Not horrible offense, especially Tampa Bay, but like those lineups can pack a little bit of a punch. So, like, it's not like he didn't go out there and serve up, you know, three home runs to Oakland and two to Minnesota on a cold, you know, when they're the liquid nitrogen levels. I'm more inclined to believe it's just a bit of a rough patch. And then when you look to, I'm trying to get this. And of course now I'm not going to get it correctly, but in his last five starts, when we're looking at it here, 24.2% home run to fly ball ratio fly ball rate is pretty similar to what it's been for the year overall. Um, Ground balls are down in that stretch, but hard hit is up. So, you know, fly balls and hard hits doesn't always exactly lead to success, but that 24.2% home run to fly ball ratio seems I mean, it's an outlier. I just, I, I'm more inclined to chalk this up to a rough stretch. That's just where I'm kind of at with it. Okay. I mean, I would watch it with warmer weather kicking mm-hmm. in because my concern is that it happened 
once the calendar flipped uh, basically to May. Um, you know, he did have one start on the 2nd of May where he looked pretty good against Cleveland, but Cleveland's offense is – Everybody's looked good against Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my only concern is, you know, is it the warmer weather that might be leading to a little bit more home runs? But we'll see. He's still an SP1. I'm not, you know, saying, oh, trade him because he's washed up. No, he'll be fine, but it is – a little disconcerting to watch a spike happen to a guy like Garrett Cole. And maybe the other thing, the other way to look at it is this just regression to the mean because the past three years his Homer per nine's been one seven, one one, and one four. True. So maybe should the his first handful of starts for the year be considered the the outlier, outlier to one yeah to, to one extreme, and this is just the outlier to the other extreme, and we're just going to eventually meet in the middle, and he's going to be a you know, a one to a one three homer per nine guy like he's been the past couple of seasons. Yeah, because he's right now at 0.98 home runs per nine, yep. which over the course of a full season would be what his second low, third lowest in his career. He put up a point, 0.48 in 208 innings with Pittsburgh, put up a 0.85 in 200 innings with Houston. Um, I know he had a couple that were lower, but that's only 116 and 138 innings. So, yeah. Maybe he's just regressing to the mean all at one time. Yep. <laughs> yep. I I think so there as well. But of course, Matt, we talked to Royce Lewis. Want to talk a little bit of prospects. We like the name that player game. I'm going to take it. First one's going to be pretty easy on you here. We only got a couple minutes left, but let's start with the first one. So this guy I just made, literally just made my major league baseball debut. And my ability to hit triple digits catches everyone's eye. I have 44 strikeouts across 28 and two-thirds innings in the minors, and I've never pitched in back-to-back days. I have a great sinking fastball, but significant question marks beyond that in my repertoire, and a path to ninth inning work isn't exactly clear at this point. Who is this trending AL West relief pitcher? That would be Ben Joyce of the Angels. It sure would with it's a two seamer. Let me check my watch. Oh, did he have Tommy John yet? It's coming, right? Like, if you watch clips of his delivery, it's pretty herky jerky. It's pretty max effort to hit 102, and that sinker doesn't sink. So I don't know what he's doing, but he's figured out how to make a rising sinker. Um, you know his stuff is gross, but if all you have is one pitch, that's not ideal so i'm gonna let somebody else pick him up right now and just deal with it because i think he's gonna get figured out or get injured and i don't think he gets you saves because there's like six other dudes in front of him in the angels bullpen for saves and they're not going to throw him back to back days no he's never done it and it max effort i don't think he can Mm mm-hmm I think, I think that's the case. And we'll have to see because eventually, like we've seen with all guys, his 102, 103, 104-mile-hour fastball, at some point the league will adjust. They will catch up. What's the next pitch? Everybody figured out our oldest chap and throwing literally the fastest pitch in the history of Major League Baseball. It just takes time. Yep. That's all it takes is time. So keep just be cautious with Joyce. Don't get enamored by the hype. He's not going to be the ninth-inning guy. He's not pitching back-to-back days. So – even if he throws three times in a week for you, best case scenario, three innings, nine strikeouts. That's basically what you're hoping for. Best case scenario. And yep. 
he'll get figured out eventually. But the last one here before we wrap up this episode. So, Matt, I broke camp with the team, and a recent surge has pushed my average up to 284 on the year, not to mention a 485 slug and a 120 WRC+. plus. I have no significant split disadvantages as I'm hitting at least 280 against both lefties and righties, and I've secured first and third base eligibility for my NL Central squad. Depending on league settings, I may even have eligibility at second base as I made a couple appearances there. My 162-game pace sees me hitting 22 home runs with 81 RBI, 90 runs scored, and 45 doubles, and Ken Rosenthal is guaranteed my spot in the infield. So, who is this? NL Central infielder Ken Rosenthal is basically secure, said that he his spot is safe in the team's infield. Hmm. The initials are, it's an alliter, alliteration, I believe is the term. It's an alliteration. Much like Nicely. Colby Conway. Nicely done. Um, broke camp with the team. I'm guessing that you're Spencer Steer. It sure is. And in the beginning of the year, he was a guy I loved to play against lefties, but his his splits have evened out. Lefties and righties, he hits them both. And per Ken Rosenthal, it's India that'll go, not Spencer Steer. I believe in, in Ken's tweet, he has Spencer Steer listed at first and third base, which, I mean, he can play both. So, But he's definitely a guy you want to have moving forward, I think. He's he's so fast, he can move across the diamond the longest <laughs> way possible and cover yep. both on a double play to himself. Yep, um, absolutely. Do you count that as a 6-4-3 as a when it's the same guy playing – <laughs> or a five four three when it's the same guy playing the five and the three. I mean, might as well, might as well count <laughs> it. But you know, it's it's interesting. But shout out, shout out Ken Rosenthal for that. Uh, no, but Spencer I'm fine with Spencer Steer. I like him. He's got. Uh, and by the way, if you count his minor league eligibility in some leagues, he does count as a second baseman because that's all he played coming up with the Reds. So, yeah, if he's still out there, I don't know why he would be. I'm not concerned about. Eli De La Cruz coming up for him. Yep, De La Cruz will come up. He'll get a spot, but nothing to fret. Pick up Spencer Steer if he's available. But, Matt, that'll do it for this week. We will see you next week with the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.